Section 46 of the Promulgation of Universal Peace, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. The Promulgation of Universal Peace, Volume 1, by Abdul Baha Abbas. Section 46. 8. June 16, 1912, at Central Congregational Church, Hancock Street, Brooklyn, New York. Notes by Esther Foster. This is a goodly temple and congregation, for, praise be to God, this is a house of worship wherein conscientious opinion has free sway. Every religion and every religious aspiration may be freely voiced and expressed here, just as in the world of politics there is need for free thought. Likewise, in the world of religion, there should be the right of unrestricted individual belief. Consider what a vast difference exists between modern democracy and the old forms of despotism. Under an autocratic government, the opinions of men are not free and development is stifled whereas in democracy because thought and speech are not restricted the greatest progress is witnessed it is likewise true in the world of religion when freedom of conscience liberty of thought and right of speech prevail that is to say when every man according to his own idealization may give expression to his beliefs development and growth are inevitable therefore this is a blessed church because its pulpit is open to every religion the ideals of which may be set forth with openness and freedom for this reason i am most grateful to the reverend doctor i find him indeed a servant of the oneness of humanity the holy manifestations who have been the sources or founders of the various religious systems were united and agreed in purpose and teaching his holiness abraham moses zoroaster buddha jesus muhammad the bab and baha'u'llah are one in spirit and reality moreover each prophet fulfilled the promise of the one who came before him and likewise each announced the one who would follow consider how his holiness abraham foretold the coming of moses and moses embodied the abrahamic statement his holiness moses prophesied the messianic cycle and his holiness christ fulfilled the law of moses it is evident therefore that the holy manifestations who founded the religious systems are united and agreed there is no differentiation possible in their mission and teachings all are reflectors of reality and all are promulgators of the religion of god the divine religion is reality and reality is not multiple it is one therefore the foundations of the religious systems are one because all proceed from the indivisible reality but the followers of these systems have disagreed 
Discord, strife, and warfare have arisen among them, for they have forsaken the foundation and held to that which is but imitation and semblance. Inasmuch as imitations differ, enmity and dissension have resulted. For example, His Holiness Jesus Christ, may my spirit be a sacrifice unto Him, laid the foundation of eternal reality. But after his departure, many sects and divisions appeared in Christianity. What was the cause of this? There is no doubt that they originated in dogmatic imitations, for the foundations of Christ were reality itself, in which no divergence exists. When imitations appeared, sects and denominations were formed. If Christians of all denominations and divisions should investigate reality, the foundations of His Holiness Christ will unite them. No enmity or hatred will remain, for they will all be under the one guidance of reality itself. Likewise in the wider field, if all the existing religious systems will turn away from ancestral imitations and investigate the reality, seeking the real meanings of the holy books, they will unite and agree upon the same foundation, the reality itself. As long as they follow counterfeit doctrines or imitations instead of reality, animosity and discord will exist and increase. Let me illustrate this. His Holiness Moses and the prophets of Israel announced the advent of the Messiah, but expressed it in the language of symbols. When His Holiness Christ appeared, the Jews rejected him, although they were expecting his manifestation, and in their temples and synagogues were crying and lamenting, saying, O God, hasten the coming of Messiah. Why did they deny him when he announced himself? Because they had followed ancestral forms and interpretations, and were blind to the reality of Christ. They had not perceived the inner significances of the Holy Bible. They voiced their objections, saying, quote, We are expecting His Holiness Christ, but His coming is conditioned upon certain fulfillments and prophetic announcements. Among the signs of His appearance is one that He shall come from an unknown place, whereas now this claimant of Messiahship has come from Nazareth. We know his home and we are acquainted with his mother. Second, one of the signs or messianic conditions is that his scepter would be an iron rod and this Christ has not even a wooden staff. Third, he was to be seated upon the throne of David whereas this messianic king is in the utmost state of poverty and has not even a mat. Fourth, he was to conquer the east and the west this person has not even conquered a village. How can he be Messiah? Fifth, he was to promulgate the laws of the Bible. This one has not only failed to promulgate the laws of the Bible, but he has broken the law of the Sabbath. Sixth, Messiah was to gather together all the Jews who were scattered in Palestine and restore them to honor and prestige. But this one has degraded the Jews instead of uplifting them. Seventh, during his sovereignty, even the animals were to enjoy blessings and comfort, for according to the prophetic texts, he should establish peace. To such 
a universal extent that the eagle and quail would live together, the lion and deer would feed in the same meadow, the wolf and lamb would lie down in the same pasture. In the human kingdom, warfare was to cease entirely. Spears would be turned into pruning hooks and swords into plowshares. Now we see in the day of this would-be Messiah such injustice prevails that even he himself is sacrificed. How could he be the promised Christ? End quote. And so they spoke infamous words regarding him. Now, inasmuch as the Jews were submerged in the sea of ancestral imitations, they could not comprehend the meaning of these prophecies. All the words of the prophets were fulfilled, but because the Jews held tenaciously to hereditary interpretations, they did not understand the inner meanings of the Holy Bible. Therefore, they denied His Holiness Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The purpose of the prophetic words was not the outward or literal meaning, but the inner symbolical significance. For example, it was announced that Messiah was to come from an unknown place. This did not refer to the birthplace of the physical body of Jesus. It has reference to the reality of the Christ. That is to say, the Christ reality was to appear from the invisible realm. For the divine reality of Christ is holy and sanctified above place. His sword was to be a sword of iron. This signified his tongue, which should separate the true from the false, and by which great sword of attack he would conquer the kingdoms of hearts. He did not conquer by the physical power of an iron rod. He conquered the east and the west by the sword of his utterance. He was seated upon the throne of David, but his sovereignty was not a Napoleonic sovereignty, nor the vanishing dominion of a pharaoh. The Christ kingdom was everlasting, eternal in the heaven of the divine will. By his promulgating the laws of the Bible, the reality of the law of Moses was meant. The Sinaitic law is the foundation of the reality of Christianity. Christ promulgated it and gave it higher spiritual expression. He conquered and subdued the east and west. His conquest was effected through the breaths of the Holy Spirit which eliminated all boundaries and shone from all horizons. His conquest was effected through the breaths of the Holy Spirit, which eliminated all boundaries and shone from all horizons. In his day, according to the prophecy, the wolf and the lamb were to drink from the same fountain. This was realized in Christ. The fountain referred to was the gospel from which the water of life gushes forth. The wolf and lamb are opposed and divergent races, symbolized by these animals. Their meeting and association were impossible, but having become believers in Jesus Christ, those who were formerly as wolves and lambs became united through the words of the gospel. The purport is that all the meanings of the prophecies were fulfilled, but because the Jews were captives of ancestral imitations and did not perceive the reality of the meanings of these words, they denied His Holiness Christ. Nay, they even went so far as to crucify Him. Consider how harmful is imitation. These were interpretations handed down from fathers and ancestors, and because the Jews held fast to them, they were deprived.
it is evident then that we must forsake all such imitations and beliefs so that we may not commit this error we must investigate reality lay aside selfish notions and banish hearsay from our minds the jews consider his holiness christ the enemy of moses whereas on the contrary his holiness christ promoted the word of moses he spread the name of moses throughout the orient and occident he promulgated the teachings of moses had it not been for his holiness christ you would not have heard the name of moses and unless the manifestation of messiahship had appeared in christ we would not have received the old testament the truth is that his holiness fulfilled the mosaic law and in every way upheld moses but the jews blinded by imitations and prejudices considered his holiness the enemy of moses among the great religious systems of the world is mohammedanism about three hundred millions of people acknowledge it for more than a thousand years there has been enmity and strife between mohammedans and christians owing to misunderstanding and spiritual blindness if prejudices and imitations were abandoned there would be no enmity whatever between them and these hundreds of millions of antagonistic religionists would adorn the world of humanity by their unity i wish now to call your attention to a most important point all islam considers the quran the word of god in this sacred book there are explicit texts which are not traditional stating that his holiness christ was the word of god that he was the spirit of god that jesus christ came into this world through the quickening breaths of the holy spirit and that her grace mary his mother was holy and sanctified in the quran a whole chapter is devoted to the story of jesus it records that in the time of his youth he worshipped god in the temple at jerusalem that manna descended from heaven for his sustenance and that he uttered words immediately after his birth in brief in the quran there is eulogy and commendation of christ such as you do not find in the gospel the gospel does not record that the child jesus spoke at birth or that god caused sustenance to descend from heaven for him but in the quran it is repeatedly stated that god sent down manna day by day as food for him furthermore it is significant and convincing that when his holiness muhammad proclaimed his work and mission his first objection to his own followers was quote, why have you not believed on jesus christ why have you not accepted the gospel why have you not believed in moses why have you not followed the precepts of the old testament why have you not understood the prophets of israel why have you not believed in the disciples of christ 
the first duty incumbent upon ye o arabians is to accept and believe in these you must consider moses as a prophet you must accept jesus christ as the word of god you must know the old and the new testament as the word of god you must believe in jesus christ as the product of the holy spirit his people answered o muhammad we will become believers although our fathers and ancestors were not believers and we are proud of them tell us what is going to become of them muhammad replied quote, i declare unto you that they occupy the lowest stratum of hell because they did not believe in moses and christ and because they did not accept the bible and although they are my own ancestors yet they are in despair in hell this is an explicit text of the quran it is not a story or tradition but from the quran itself which is in the hands of the people therefore it is evident that ignorance and misunderstanding have caused so much warfare and strife between christians and muhammadans if both should investigate the underlying truth of their religious beliefs the outcome would be unity and agreement strife and bitterness would pass away forever and the world of humanity find peace and composure consider that there are two hundred and fifty million christians and three hundred million mohammedans how much blood has flowed in their wars how many nations have been destroyed how many children have been made fatherless how many fathers and mothers have mourned the loss of children and dear ones all this has been due to prejudice misunderstanding and imitations of ancestral beliefs without investigation of the reality if the holy books were rightly understood none of this discord and distress would have existed but love and fellowship would have prevailed instead this is true with all the other religions as well the conditions i have named will apply equally to all the essential purpose of the religion of god is to establish unity among mankind the divine manifestations were founders of the means of fellowship and love they did not come to create discord strife and hatred in the world the religion of god is the cause of love its absence is preferable to its existence the religion of god is the cause of love but if it is made to be the source of enmity and bloodshed surely its absence is preferable to its existence for then it becomes satanic detrimental and an obstacle to the human world in the orient the various peoples and nations were in a state of antagonism and strife manifesting the utmost enmity and hatred toward each other darkness encompassed the world of mankind at such a time as this baha'u'llah appeared he removed all the imitations and prejudices which had caused separation and misunderstanding and laid the foundation of the one religion of god 
when this was accomplished mohammedans christians jews zoroastrians buddhists all were united in actual fellowship and love the souls who followed baha'u'llah from every nation have become as one family living in agreement and accord willing to sacrifice life for each other the mohammedan will give his life for the christian the christian for the jew and all of them for the zoroastrian they live together in love fellowship and unity they have attained to the condition of rebirth in the spirit of god they have become revivified and regenerated through the breaths of the holy spirit praise be to god this light has come forth from the east and eventually there shall be no discord or enmity in the orient through the power of baha'u'llah all will be united his holiness upraised this standard of the oneness of humanity in prison when subjected to banishment by two kings while a refugee from enemies of all nations and during the days of his long imprisonment he wrote to the kings and rulers of the world in words of wonderful eloquence arraigning them severely and summoning them to the divine standard of unity and justice he exhorted them to peace and international agreement making it incumbent upon them to establish a board of international arbitration that from all nations and governments of the world there should be delegates selected for a congress of nations which should constitute a universal arbitral court of justice to settle international disputes he wrote to victoria queen of great britain the czar of russia the emperor of germany napoleon the third of france and others inviting them to world unity and peace through a heavenly power he was enabled to promulgate these ideals in the orient kings could not withstand him they endeavored to extinguish his light but served only to increase its intensity and illumination while in prison he stood against the shah of persia and sultan of turkey and promulgated his teachings until he firmly established the banner of truth and the oneness of humankind i was a prisoner with him for forty years until the young turks of the committee of union and progress overthrew the despotism of abdul hamid dethroned him and proclaimed liberty this committee set me free from tyranny and oppression otherwise i should have been in prison until the days of my life were ended the purport is this that baha'u'llah in prison was able to proclaim and establish the foundations of peace although two despotic kings were his enemies and oppressors the king of persia nasruddin shah had killed twenty thousand baha'is martyrs who in absolute severance and complete willingness offered their lives joyfully for their faith these two powerful and tyrannical kings could not withstand a prisoner this prisoner upheld the standard of humanity 
and brought the people of the Orient into agreement and unity. Today in the East, only those who have not followed Baha'u'llah are in opposition and enmity. The people of the nations who have accepted him as the standard of divine guidance enjoy a condition of actual fellowship and love. If you should attend a meeting in the East, you could not distinguish between Christian and Muslim. You would not know which was Jew, Zoroastrian, or Buddhist. So completely have they become fraternized and their religious differences been leveled. They associate in the utmost love and spiritual fragrance, as if they belonged to one family, as if they were one people. End of section 46. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. Recorded in Oxford, England.